Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner 3 days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tuesday Night Jaw on the Distraction Pieces Network with me, your host Jim Smallman. Now, before we get into the usual plugs and me telling you what this podcast is about, just a little reminder. Saturday, September the 9th, right before the huge Alexandra Palace Progress show on September the 10th. So at noon on September the 9th in London, King's Place in London, uh, there's the London Podcast Festival. I am doing a live Tuesday night jaw roundtable slash list episode with a load of special guests that I can't quite reveal yet. Um, Noon, September the 9th. Come and get tickets. Uh, about a quarter of them have gone so far. It would be brilliant if we could sell this place out. I've got a big old room, and I'd really like to fill it. Um, if you've wanted, if you've enjoyed getting this podcast for now, and you've had a laugh with us, then come to this because it really helps support the podcast, and we'll make it absolutely tremendous. The live one we did after Progress was great. We will make this one even better. Um, it's gonna it's gonna rule. Trust me on this. There's more information about what we're gonna do with the show uh, and how to get tickets. You can get them two ways. You can go to my website, jimsmorman.com/tnj. Um, that's where you can point people at this podcast in general. But also on there, there's a link at the top of the page for you to buy tickets. Um, that link, if you want it just direct now, um, is uh, kingsplace.co.uk/tnjlive. Okay kingsplace.co.uk slash tnj live or jimsmorman.com slash tnj lowercase um it'd be great to see some of you there i will high five you guys there'll probably be merch there we'll we'll have a, a great time for like 90 minutes um and then uh, hey we're all gonna hang out in london i'm not doing anything until the 10th so um please come to it please tell someone you know who may want to come along to it and listen to me and some special guests talking about wrestling and having a laugh and making puns and generally being daft um it would be brilliant if people could come to it <coughs> so once again kingsplace.co.uk slash tnj live or jimsmorman.com slash tnj plug ends there'll probably be more plugs for it in a while i really 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 want this to work out and it'd be great if you guys could come along Okay, before we get to what we're doing today, the other plugs, the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, check out everything on the network because it's all dead good. Um, Scrooby's Pips Distraction Pieces podcast, hardcore listing, 
Say Why to Drugs, the Stop and Search podcast. I'm super proud to be part of those that family of podcasts. It means a lot to me uh, that Pips have me on the network with loads of other great stuff. So please support those other podcasts. My wrestling company, ProgressWrestling.com. Um, today, I think we had 19 tickets left this afternoon for Alexandra Palace. That's a 2,000 capacity show that we've announced one match for. So, you know, if you're thinking, oh, maybe I'll get a ticket, get a ticket now, because they're going to be gone. This time next week, I'm not going to need to plug Alexandra Palace, I don't think. Okay, so, uh, progresswrestling.com for tickets for that, um, also for our merch, because we've got loads of new merch out, and for tickets for our show in New York City on August the 12th. Uh, Boston, I've not had a chance to plug it on this because it's sold out. We sold like 300 tickets in half an hour for a show in the United States, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, New York City, August 12th. Please come. Uh, be delighted to see you there. <coughs> the high five rule, if you see me at anything, stand up, wrestling, anywhere. If you listen to Tuesday Night Joy, you walk up and high five me. You don't need to explain it. Just hold your hand out, I'll high five you. I'll know that you listen to this. you got good taste in podcasts. Good on you. Um so that's progresswrestling.com for that if you want to watch all the progress shows demand-progress.com uh, cost you about uh, about five five pounds a month it's probably a little bit more than that because of exchange rates at the minute but you know demand-progress.com for all of our shows um, including our last show we did which was in Birmingham on July the 9th it was a great show um, go and see it because I'm really proud of it we've got a show in Manchester this week if you come into that high five me if you see me You'll probably see me, I'm the ring announcer. Um, but yeah, feel free to high-five me, feel free to come and talk to me about Tuesday night, your progress, whatever. I'm a pretty friendly dude. That's why I want people to come to this live podcast, so I can just hang out with like 400 of my friends. That's the goal. Um, so yeah, do please come to that. Um, the um, uh, final thing I want to plug is just this podcast. Uh, if you already like it, that's awesome. Please tell some more people that you like it. That's super awesome. Um, please rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Tremendous. Please point people at jimsmorman.com slash TNJ because that's got a list of all the shows that we've done and all the various ways that you can subscribe, be it through iTunes or Acast or through whatever podcast uh, app that we can we can hopefully find to get you on board with. Um, so yeah, and also me on Twitter, at Jim Smallman. Dead easy, that, isn't it? At Jim Smallman. Um, uh, and if you're going to talk to me about wrestling, hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. Um, I'm quite tired. I must just say this before we start. I've done a lot of Tuesday Night Jaw Meets episodes recently. Um, a lot of people have said, why aren't you doing the roundtables? Well, um, there's a couple of reasons. One, the roundtables require me going to London or Manchester, and I have not had the time recently. You're probably aware I went to America for some time, um, and I've had a load of gigs, and I have a baby, and this week my daughter is visiting, because I get my, my daughter for some time during the summer holidays. Um, my daughter is nearly 14 now. Um, so... Today, there is a show. Um, it's not a Tuesday Night Jaw Meets episode. It's not a roundtable or anything like that. Um, but it's just one of the, the list ones. And that's cool because the live one we're going to do, when you go and read about the live one we're doing on September the 9th, there's, there's going to be an element of listy stuff in there, but an element of roundtable, an element of a, what we did for the live show. So it's, it's going to be all over the place. Um, but I was thinking about something today. Um, and it's to do with heels. Now... I want to do a top 10 list. Now, I'm not just going to do my top 10 heels because that's quite a difficult thing. Some people will be a heel in wrestling for their entire career. Some people will be a heel for a significant portion of their career. Some for just, you know, a year or so. 
the thing is, it's it, what I want to talk about is my favourite heel runs. So some of them could have been over the course of a few years, some of them could have been over the course of a few months. But my favourite, when I've got the most visceral reaction out of a heel wrestler for his actions, so it's it's not just the heel wrestler that I'm naming, but it's also the storylines they were involved in, the period of time it was, and all that sort of stuff. So I wanted to come up with my 10 favourite heel runs. Now, normally I put rules on these things. Now, because these are whole swathes of time, I don't think we can limit it by show or promotion or anything like that. I mean, I've only named each wrestler once um, in terms of them being the heel that I am nominating. Um, so that goes without saying. You can't just have 10 favourite Ric Flair heel runs. Although you could probably pick 10 favourite Ric Flair heel runs. Um, so I'm not just doing that. The other thing is, now obviously I am a wrestling promoter. I am super proud of progress wrestling. Um, I happen to think that... Um, two of the finest heel runs um, ever in wrestling and I'm biased, it's my company feel free to yell at whatever you're listening to me in at the minute, I- I'm fine with that, but I think Jimmy Havoc, heel run as progress champion is one of the best heel runs in wrestling history and I think that the current Pete Dunne heel run has the capability to be one of the best heel runs in wrestling history and I'm biased my company, but what I've decided to do for this list is not include anyone from Progress. Um, because if I did, yeah, Jimmy would certainly be very near the top. So um, it, I'm heavily involved in it as being part of the creative in Progress, so I don't feel I can choose stuff there because it's like nominating. Not It's not nominating myself, but it's nominating some of my work um, uh, because, you know, I'm not the character. But, you know, we, when Jimmy was on the other week and you guys reacted really strongly to, to the great chat that we had, you know, people are aware that um, when Jimmy did his stellar work for Progress as a, as heel champion and really helped put us on the map, you know, I was involved in that. Because we can talk about it now. But it wasn't me out there doing the cool stuff. But, you know, there was elements of it that were down to myself and to John and to Glenn. So um, I don't really think I can choose Progress wrestlers for this. Um but you know, we've had some great, great heels. Not just Jimmy, not just Pete. Currently, uh, obviously, the rest of British Strong Style, uh, Marty Skrull as the villain, uh, Nathan Cruz, our first ever champion. Um, you know, there's been loads of great stuff, loads of great heels in there. Zach Gibson's always been a great heel. So, you know, but these are my top ten favorite ever heel runs. Okay, you'll you'll get into the swing of how this all works as I go through it. And it's not going to be a mega episode this week, because to be honest, I'm having a bit of a week off. Loads of wrestling in July. Loads and loads of wrestling in July, and then go to America for more stuff in August. So it's uh, it's been a busy it's been a busy time. I've got some great interviews lined up for more Tuesday night Joel Meets episodes. So they're all going to be coming up. Um, we will do a SummerSlam roundtable as well. I don't know when, because I'm going to be in America during that time. Um, but we'll find a way for all that stuff to happen. So it's a slightly shorter episode this week, um, but I always like to put something out. Just a little tip, right? I'm a really busy dude, and I love you guys, genuinely, right? Properly love you. You support this podcast, and it's awesome. Super, super, super awesome. But just a little tip. Some days, if I don't put a podcast out, like I genuinely get a dozen tweets from people going, where's Tuesday Night Jaw? I'm a busy dude. <laughs> I've got a life outside of wrestling and outside of podcasting. So, you know, you don't, you'll get one. I try to put one up every week. I will tweet if I'm not putting one up for some reason. But, um, 
you know, and I'm not, I'm not annoyed. Um, but you know, you don't have to tweet me to say, where is it? It'll happen. It will drop. If you subscribe, it will automatically drop into your podcast app. So you don't need to hassle me for it. I'm nearly always planning something or trying to put something up. I will tell you in advance if there's not one going up, um, because I, I don't like leaving you with that one, but there's nearly always one coming. Sometimes they go up at like midnight on Monday. Sometimes they go up at nine in the morning on a Wednesday, but they're nearly always there. So, you know, I don't want anyone to think that I'm annoyed with them, but I honestly have had like 15 tweets today saying, where's Tuesday night, Joe? Uh, and I've just been hanging out with my family. <laughs> so they are coming, okay? These things take some work and take some time, and I have to find a little window in my schedule to do them. So, you know, I love doing them, and I love your support. But, um, yeah, you know, um, no one's been super rude about it. Someone was super rude to me yesterday because Pivot Share, that host um, Demand Progress, went down. And it went down for every wrestling company that's on there you know we're not just on there icw on there ref pro on there and so on uh, czw various other companies and um i had someone t- this was the exact words of the tweet and the tweet's been deleted now but this was the exact words of the tweet that someone sent me now bearing in mind if someone tweets me and says demand progress is down i will say you need to tweet pivot share because we don't we don't have a computer with all that stuff on we sent we john edits our videos and sends them off to pivot share and they host them that's how it works so they run it and uh, if you come to me or the progress accounts and sometimes that's me looking after it sometimes it's john and you say oh it's down i'll say oh sorry about that you need to tweet pivot shares help uh platform that they have on twitter um that's what i normally do normally do it with a smile on my face because that's how most most people talk to me when i'm bringing up this thing about people saying where's the podcast this week most people 99% 99% of people are super nice about it and just it's because they want to listen to it and I really appreciate it um, but it's coming okay whereas this pivot share thing being down someone genuinely tweeted me this was the exact words of their tweet that just said um, demand progress is down sort it out Jim Smallman first of all it's not I don't sort of like if if it's down we can send an email and we can ask but we can only do the same as you can it's not our service it's pivot share service they host it um, and you might not be aware of that, and that's fine. But you know, I, what do you think I'm going to do? Do you think I'm going to get out? If, let's say I'm looking after my son that morning. I'm not going to get on my hands and knees and uh, with a spanner and fix the internet. That's not how it works. you know. So it, it's a weird... <clears throat> it's, it's the same thing I, I've started getting with people wanting to see certain wrestlers in progress and tagging me in tweets to that wrestler, um, just saying... Um, Oi, Jim Smallman, get this guy, get this guy booked. Again, that's I've never booked a single person because someone's asked me to do it on Twitter. Um, so you know, this is just I don't know why I've gone into Twitter etiquette mode because love you guys. And again, ninety nine percent of people who tweet me are super respectful. Um, but you know, just just you know, sometimes, sometimes just just maybe ask me how my day's going because I'm quite tired. <laughs> I've been working really really hard. Um, and this week's kind of a week off so that's probably why it's got to me a bit more than normal anyway, rant over um, let's get to this list and as always, you want to play along with the list um, write yours out in your notes on your phone is probably the easiest then screenshot it and then tweet it to me at Jim Smallman they're the sorts of tweets I like getting not, oi, do this I like tweets where people come to me and go hey Jim, what about this? I did one with music the other day 
And I got so many cool responses and it was a really cool way of, of me just sitting on my sofa, chilling out, just going, oh, this person's into this music. I love that kind of interaction. That's the sort of shit I, that I want to use Twitter for. Um, and you know me, if you tweet me, I'm nearly always polite to you, okay? Um, so, you know, that's that's the way I am. But the last few weeks, I've had a lot of tweets from people who are being just a little bit too much demanding. So, you know, again, if you ask for this podcast, that's not too demanding. Um, but, you know, do bear in mind it's always coming, I assure you. There's no reason I'm going to stop doing this now. I've put far too much time and effort into it. And I like watching the listener figures go up. It's pretty sweet. Right, to my list. My 10 favourite heel runs of all time. Here we go. <clears throat> At number 10. Uh, this started in December 2009, ended in December 2010, exactly pretty much a year um, from the start of the angle to the end of the angle. And this is, and you've probably heard me mention it a few times on the podcast before, um, Kevin Steen and his obsession with El Generico and destroying him. They were tag team partners for a good couple of years in Ring of Honor, where the bulk of this feud was. They did feud in other promotions. Um, I've mentioned their feud in PWG before, one of my favourite indie matches. Um, is uh, Kevin Steen El Generico in PWG from uh, Steenwolf but um, their whole storyline in Ring of Honor from December 2009 December 2010 Kevin Steen turns on El Generico after a tag team match uh, ends a year later in a fight without honor an unsanctioned match I normally hate the notion of unsanctioned matches because they're still appearing with cameras rolling but I'll allow it here Um, I have no doubt that this is the feud that took them both to WWE, but this is about heel runs. And this was the beginning of Kevin Steen, who, who, if you watch him even in his early days in the Indies, could do it all. This was the thing that took him from being an interesting dude who did cool indie stuff to being a proper, proper heel. Someone that was just a dick. And that year... That year-long feud with El Generico and Ring of Honor is just it's wonderful seeing his work because he comes out of himself. He goes from you look at photos of of, of Kevin Steen before he became Kevin Owens, and he, he was on the Indies, and he's an unassuming indie-looking dude. But this was the thing that really, really elevated him. There's 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 something about Kevin Steen and uh, Kevin Owens now, rather, who where he just has. That even if you wanted, uh, this is why I'd promote this whole. If you really like a heel, then make sure you boo him because he deserves being booed. Just the smallest things he does in WWE now come from the great grounding he had from having that year long run. Because um, uh, he, he wasn't particularly heelish until that, he'd been a heel in various places, but that was the point where he went from just a dude in a tag team to super, super, duper mega heel. Um, and that one year. Gave us everything. All the little nuances that Kevin Owens has now came from when he was Kevin Steen. And he was feuding with El Generico, who obviously um, isn't wrestling anymore because he runs an orphanage in Mexico. He does. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, uh, and it, I think it's a great sign of of how good someone's heel work is and how good a feud is when it moves to other promotions. So I mentioned it going to PWG and it, it aired in various other places as well. And just tremendous, tremendous stuff. Um, a lot of people put down the the fact that those guys had such good rivalry and such good matches because they were friends. That is completely true. But it also is down to the fact that Kevin Steen was tremendous as a heel. And that's what this list is about. Great heel runs. 
he was tremendous as a heel and El Generico was tremendous as a babyface absolutely brilliant right next up <clears throat> to WWE uh, this is one that's quite easy to seek out using your network subscription Chris Jericho now I'm one of those people who Chris Jericho when he debuted um, in WWE um, with the whole Y2J gimmick obviously when he he debuted in WWE he got a very positive reaction and he went from heel to babyface quite a lot in his initial time in WWE in WCW he was meant to be uh, he, he was certainly a, a very good heel certainly he was doing the thing with the masks and, and, and stuff like that um, but there was the comedy there that always made him popular no matter how much he did to make him to make himself hated they would always do stuff that would still make him popular because he was cool you know think about it you know he, he looked cool and he said cool stuff and he said quotable stuff and that kind of makes you start getting cheered and someone else will talk about it a bit later on so <clears throat> I've written in my notes here this is how to be a proper heel so Chris Jericho this is in 2008 had already been feuding a little bit with Shawn Michaels uh They'd had a, a, a hand, they'd had a match previous to the, the, the bit that really kicks off this heel run for me. They had a match where um, they shook hands at the end, which Jericho had initiated the handshake, and people were cheering Michaels, even though Michaels was acting like a proper heel. He was he was faking injuries and, and you know generally being a dick. So we get a highlight reel episode in June two thousand and eight, episode of Raw, and Chris Jericho pointed all this stuff out very calmly to Shawn Michaels and. Then snapped and rammed his head through a television screen. Uh, injured Shawn Michaels' eye, uh, and this feud was off and running. Now, when this feud started, I did not think that nearly ten years later I'd still be holding this feud up. It felt like something for two guys who are big stars but weren't necessarily going to be pushed for the title at that point. It felt like something for them to do. And what it became was a tremendous feud. It was Wrestling Observer's Feud of the Year in 2008. Um, and again, it, it, this it, it's not this is it's not about favorite feuds. It's about favorite heel runs. And what's brilliant about Jericho on this run is, and he, and he kept it up. It wasn't just for the Michaels thing, but he what he was trying to do was. Um, he was trying to take away everything that would give you a reason to cheer him, to make himself a proper heel. Now, um, it's hard to do in today's day and age because there's always going to be smart fans who want to cheer the bad guy. It happens all the time. At our show in Birmingham um, the other week, there were th three or four fans who absolutely vociferously disliked everybody who was popular. And indie wrestling is you know, more difficult. We don't have as... You know, clearly defined heels and faces, but progress we try. We try to, um, and there was three or four people who were definitely cheering for in in quotation marks the wrong people. Um, what Chris Jer Jericho tried to do during this run was take away everything that fans found cool about him. So he stopped with the catchphrases. He, he started looking like he had more disdain for people. He started wearing suits. Um, he um, he was basing a lot of his characterization on on bad guys in movies um, rather than trying to be the Ayatollah rock and roller um, 
and it everything he was more calculated in the ring. It was just it, it was tremendous, and it includes one of the most shocking moments um, when I've been watching wrestling, and that's at SummerSlam in two thousand and eight, when um, Jericho goes to punch Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels ducks, and Jericho just levels Shawn Michaels' wife. At the time, I'm watching that, just going, "Oh, that's too far." And partly because Shawn Michaels' wife's not a wrestler, but it's just it's such a powerful, powerful sort of thing to have happen. It, it genuinely Jericho's whole demeanor and whole behavior during you know those sort of six months of the year where he became WWE champion again. He was so over as a heel, he became WWE champion again, and you know that wasn't something that I necessarily saw coming. Completely deserved. Brilliant, brilliant run at the time. Well, that's number nine. Number eight. A little bit biased. He's a mate, I suppose. Um, but I love this. And it's William Regal. Uh, in 2007, up until him winning the King of the Ring in 2008. Which, for the record, is my favourite ending shot of a show ever. Ever. Is Regal just celebrating. I say celebrating, just looking disdainfully at everybody. After he's won the King of the Ring. Back to that in a second. So, Regal won his way to becoming the Raw General Manager in autumn 2007. And he then proceeded to do some quite clever and underhanded things to uh, you know, establish himself as a proper full-on villain. Because he had done slightly more comedic stuff uh, before that as well. Um, so, uh, this is during the course of Ric Flair having his... If he, if he was pinned or submitted, he would have to retire... Um, so he's doing that whole career-ending storyline. Um, the Raw, uh, one of the Raws at the end of December, I think, in 2007, uh, Regal speaks to Triple H and says, you're facing Ric Flair. Oh, and by the way, if you don't beat him, your slot in the Royal Rumble is on the line. Um, just so he wouldn't, he wouldn't give his hero and his friend an easy ride. Um, little Machiavelli and things like that, really, really subtle. Um, so then and then that's clever enough then Regal interferes in the match by putting brass knuckles on and punching Triple H in the face to get flare the win by disqualification Um, it's just it's so smart and then leads into a little miniature sort of uh, literally blood feud between uh, Regal and Triple H Um, uh, we had a great first blood match on, on Raw but when those things sort of happened it was just really really good and then uh, this all adds to Regal's character, brings him up, you know, takes away from any sort of comedic stuff he might have done in the previous years to that, and just gives him something really, really cool to focus on. Um, and then he wins King of the Ring, first person to make CM Punk submit in WWE um, during the course of that in the final. Um, that King of the Ring tournament is not necessarily the best King of the Ring tournament, but just the look on Regal's face as he's won at the end. And everything fades to black like the end of The Sopranos. And no one knows what's going to happen next. Is brilliant. <clears throat> now, the the sadness in this, in that, um, weirdly I spoke to Regal about this a little while ago, in that I I would love to have known what would have happened next. But obviously there was, um, there was a, a wellness violation and, and Mr. Regal got suspended for a little while. And then we don't know what would have happened. It might have played out as it as it did, and I know that people have asked him this on live shows, and he's just he's like, well, well, these things happen. Um, but he's my friend, and 
you know, if it meant there was a chance he would have won the world title, heel William Regal as world champion in 2008-2009. Oh, how cool would that have been? As it stands, those few months from two, uh, late 2007, early 2008, uh, still really, really cool for me and still <clears throat> show... There's loads of different aspects of William Regal that you can remember. You remember him being a blue blood in, in WCW. You can remember him doing the comedic stuff with Tajiri and whatever. Or, you, you know, you can see him being really serious and a proper ass kicker, which he was during that time. That's why it's such a great run. Underappreciated, I feel. Okay, number seven. is a much more well-known one. <coughs> uh, and this is The Rock. Uh, the Rock's heel run in 1998. So, what I mentioned before with Chris Jericho is if someone's saying cool stuff all the time and catchphrases and whatever, eventually they will get popular. Um, and The Rock, towards the end of the Nation of Domination, was starting to get cheered. Nation breaks up, The Rock's on his own, he's starting to get cheered. Positioned going into Survivor Series in 1998 as a babyface, going up against Vince McMahon, going up against the corporation and trying to... Um, uh, trying to win the WWE title which was vacated trying to win that uh, and keep it away from the McMahon's that's what he's there for uh, Mankind's in the tournament uh, as a kind of unwilling slightly simple puppet of the McMahon's um, and The Rock goes through the tournament it's brilliant and it's only when you watch it again in hindsight and you're like oh I should have seen this coming The Rock turns uh, the uh, the Rock turns on Mankind so basically there's a kind of a double turn at the end at the end of the Survivor Series match um, there's a hark back to uh, the Montreal Screwjob as well it's just everything about it is so good so good um, and I think this is The Rock's best villain work as part of the corporation his feud with Mick Foley um, that tournament finale like I know it's obvious if you know a bit about wrestling now you look at it and go oh you probably should have seen it coming but at the time legit didn't I remember watching it and being absolutely agog that it had happened. And obviously because this happened, it gave us Mick Foley's title runs that he got, which I'm delighted he got because he deserved them. Um, it, it managed to it managed to make a massive, massive babyface star out of Mick Foley because he had someone to feud with um, in The Rock. And obviously it led to huge business between Steve Austin and The Rock at WrestleMania. It, the... The Rock in that, it's so difficult to, to boo The Rock, but at that point, as in being a proper corporate shield, he was tremendous at it. And I, those few months are, are just brilliant. By the time Backlash 1999 comes around, um, it, it, WWE rightly recognised that he was starting to get cheered again, so that's when the change happened and Shane McMahon turned on him, etc. But still, that that initial turn because he was built up so much as a baby face just to have it snatched away from you straight away oh quality work okay number six of my favourite heel runs uh, this is whole stable uh, and this is from 1997 it's the Hart Foundation's anti-USA shtick now I love this entire run because it's it's also because the fact that this book ended with something legendary in the world of wrestling but I mean, it's bookended either either side. So, I mean, admittedly, this is only a brilliant hero run if you're not Canadian. Um, so, if you are Canadian, soz. Um, but I think you probably appreciate it just as well. So, this all begins. WrestleMania 13, one of the best matches of all time. The double turn match between Bret Hart 
and Steve Austin. The fans had wanted to boo Bret Hart for a little bit, and they'd wanted to cheer Steve Austin for a little bit, um, but this is the point where it got cemented. Um, Bret Hart then starts going on to Raw, and being basically a whiny little bitch about everything. Um, he then starts hyping up and, and playing off the fact that he's Canadian, and then gets joined with his friends and family. So his brother Owen, uh, his brother-in-law, uh, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, uh, Brian Pillman, uh, the British Bulldog. Great segments on television, a great array of talent. Like, genuinely, I know people will go, oh, uh, the Anvil's probably bringing it down a bit. Yeah, but for me, I'd grown up watching the Hart Foundation tag team, so the Anvil needed to be in it. Um, absolutely brilliant sort of segments they did on TV. One of the best 10 man tag team matches you'll ever see at Canadian Stampede in 1997 which is just ludicrous. Admittedly, it's in Canada, and it's really weird watching that because they're getting a babyface reaction, but you're watching it knowing that they're resting as heels, and you're watching it knowing that they're heels. And it's it's such an odd dynamic, and very brave of WWE to do at the time, because WWE will have known that fans are watching that, and the reaction on the screen would be cheering, but the reaction um, at home would be, hey, fuck these guys. It's, it's such a smart angle um, and obviously then on the other end of it it's bookended and this makes it even more legendary I think as a heel run for, for, for Brett and his, his buddies It it's bookended at the other end with the Montreal Screwjob so it's just, just so much stuff packed into those few months and Brett Hart when I was a kid Brett Hart was the most popular wrestler to have him be that much of a tool was just great um, and again look at the talent involved in that stable as well and the people they were feuding with at the time um, you know it was oh, what a run what a great run Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter that's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odour control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Before we get into the top five, just a little quick plug. Once again, uh, September the 9th at noon, the London Podcast Festival at King's Place in London. I am doing a live Tuesday night draw. Special guests will be there. I'll start announcing them soon, I would imagine. Um, we will be doing 
a roundtable discussion slash Q&A slash list episode where we try and come up using the obscure Tuesday Night Jewel rules. Uh, myself and my guests, we try and come up uh, with the ultimate, ultimate dream card of all time. Uh, there's more information. There's a link uh, on my website, jimsmormon.com slash TNJ. There's a link there to get tickets and f- to read more information and stuff like that. I'd love to see a load of you there. I've got a big old room that holds 400 people. I'm not expecting to fill it, but my God, if I did fill it, what a message that would send uh, to the world of wrestling. I just think it'd be really cool. So um, if you're one of these people who loves listening to this podcast um, and you can get along to it, brilliant. If you can't get along to it, but you love this podcast, then maybe tell someone who's in London or the South who could come along who might enjoy it, and I'd be super grateful. Once again, jimsmormon.com slash TNJ. Right, to my top five heel runs of all time. At number five, um, I have him tattooed on my arm. It's Mick Foley. Now, Mick Foley as Cactus Jack in ECW did his anti-hardcore, educating Tommy Dreamer gimmick that lasted, um, I think, probably from mid-95 to early-96 when he signed with uh, WWE to become Mankind. Um, During this time... He records some of the best promos in the history of wrestling. The Kane Dewey promo, which you can see on YouTube, is absolutely astonishing. And such a good promo that if you watch it knowing the context of it, in theory, depending on your outlook, Cactus Jack is the babyface and Tommy Dreamer is the heel. I mean, obviously, Cactus Jack is the heel because of the context of that promo and, and the fact that he's he's rallying against the ECW fans and he's rallying against their bloodthirsty nature and hardcore wrestling and just wants to have an easy life and a good paycheck. And but they're all they're all kind of positive traits. And this is the key to being a great heel and having a great heel run like McFoley did in ECW at that time is if you're a heel, you need to believe what you're saying and 100% believe in what you are talking about. And that's what makes an effective heel. Someone who says what they're saying because that's what they believe. And in the case of McFoley at this time, he did. And if you read his books, a lot of what he was talking about at the time was genuine stuff that he felt. And he found it easy to get into character because he had all those emotions at the back of his head. The best bit about this hero as well is he does... So he does the, the stuff with, with Tommy Dreamer. He does some comical stuff in there like, you know... <laughs> painting pictures of, of various WWF and WCW personalities' faces uh, on T-shirts and then having them pulled over his head and being hit in the head and whatever. And, um, uh, you know, but there's, there's stories as well that he, I think he, the Mick says in one of his books about he's sending people out to sell T-shirts for him in a show in New York and he was so unpopular on such a good run as a heel that, that the person he sent out to sell T-shirts came back into the locker room and said, no, nah, they're going to kill me. Now that, that's heat. That's full on heat. Um, also, during this time, he joined the stable, joined Raven's Nest, but managed to be strong enough heel on his own that he didn't. He was part of that stable, but that's not what you remember from it. What you remember from it are these promos. And I don't even think Kane Jew is the best promo. Uh, he does a promo that's quoted word for word in Have a Nice Day, um, where he's talking to a chair. And you don't realise that Mick is talking to a chair and he's explaining... He's talking to a chair and you think he's talking to a woman. And it's, it's tremendous. It's such a creative thing to do. And, and where that idea even came from, I don't know. Mick is a genius. And again, you know, Mick's someone I, I, I like a hell of a lot. And I, I think that whole run 
the back end of ECW. And again, you can see nearly all of it on the network. So, you know, go and watch it. It's just absolutely stellar work. Um, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant stuff. Um, even managed to do comedy in that time as well. You know, uh, and the best bit is there's a very definite point when this run ended because it's his last ever match in ECW where he does get cheered um, and manages to leave uh, with uh, the BWO singing New York, New York. I wish I'd been there for that. Genuinely wish I'd been there for that. Only makes me more excited about taking progress to New York and meeting New York crowds, I think. So, um, uh, um, so I know the match was in Philly, but, you know, it's just, it's that whole Northeast sort of vibe, just, just, I'm super excited to be going there. It's a shame we can't go to Philly, really, but, you know, never know. One day, eh? Okay, number four, my favourite heel runs of all time. Um, it might be a little bit high up for this. Uh, you might have expected it to be a bit further down, but it's my personal list, so, you know, I'm allowed to do what I want to do. And it's it's the original NWO. Now, I have got a very clear point of how long I think this is the greatest, one of the greatest heel runs of all time. Okay, so... It's the end of May, beginning of June 1996. Scott Hall, Kevin Nash debut on Nitro, WCW. At the time, teased like they were still working for WWE. Brilliant. Bash at the Beach, 1996. Hogan joins. Absolutely mind-blowing. Now, I didn't watch this at the time. I wasn't watching WCW in 1996. So, I didn't. I wasn't aware of this at the time. I, the first time I was aware that Hulk Hogan was a heel was, I think, was when I bought WCW NWO Revenge. <laughs> because... Because that's when I started getting back into wrestling. In 1996, I wasn't massively into wrestling. Uh, I was 18 years old and I was drunk. Um, so I remember watching this on video. A Best of Bash of the Beach videotape that I got from HMV in Leicester. And I remember seeing how the heel turn... And I knew the heel turn had happened. I remember seeing how it went down and going, Oh, that's pretty sweet. Then the next few months, the NWO is unbelievably hot. Tremendous, absolutely brilliant angle. If you don't know how the NWO angle came about, uh, Eric Bischoff's idea, um, he'd seen how uh, I believe it was UWFI had um, uh, had invaded New Japan and he thought there was something in it and decided to have an invading outside force, which is what NWO became. And everything to do with how they were set up and how they were how they were perceived and shown on television, everything brilliant. Absolute genius. Tremendous. But I think most people agree with me there's a point where it stopped being as exciting. And that point was when everybody joined the NWO. You know, I, I think the point... Up until six, so up until um, Sean Waltman joined, uh, and Sean Waltman I would include in this because he, he was quite a shocking one because obviously he was so sort of tied in with, with WWE. So Sean Waltman joining, awesome. Up until that point... Awesome. Properly tremendous. Um, the next, Do you know the next person to join after six was? It was Vincent. So it was Virgil. There's a definite, you know, no disrespect to Virgil. I met him in Orlando. He's a nice dude. But there's a definite drop off in star power from one point to another. And I know calling him Vincent is a rib on Vincent. Whatever. But hmm. And then, not long after that, the Giant gets kicked out after not being in there particularly long and starting uh, poor big shows. Uh, quest to be face heel face heel face heel every few months in the late 90s 
Uh, and then people like, and again, no disrespect to these guys, but people like VK Wall Street, so formerly known as IRS, Scott Norton, Big Bubba Rogers, they're the next people to join it. it. All of a sudden, it's not as special. And if I looked into this before, that's maybe three months into the angle and into the run. So up until that, it's so, so hot. And don't get me wrong, they still had did great business for the next couple of years. But that was the that's the bit that I look at and go, oh, that was groundbreaking. That was, as a heel run goes, was tremendous. And it was those first sort of three, four months at the NWO are just, just tremendous. Okay, number three. Probably less of a shock that I've chosen this one. Um, and this is in 2005. Have you got it yet? In 2005? If you have, I'm impressed. Um, it's CM Punk's Ring of Honor Summer of Punk. It's important to have that distinction because there's two Summer of Punks. We'll get to that in a second. So in May 2005, CM Punk has a WWE tryout. He has a match on Heat uh, against Val Venus. Uh, he then signs a WWE contract early in June where it's going to go. I think he went to Ohio Valley Wrestling to, to um, get uh, in tune with the WWE style. But even though he signed with WWE, he wins the Ring of Honor title after signing. Now, this is the point where a few people start being aware of what's happening in the world of wrestling inside inside a sort of knowledge. Um, so he wins the Ring of Honor title, beating Austin Aries, and then starts saying to the fans and to the locker room and to the management of Ring of Honor, this title's mine now, I'm not defending it, I'm probably just gonna probably just gonna take it with me to WWE and got so much heat you know even in a, a world where more and more people understand the behind the scenes working of wrestling it got tons of heat so much heat um, I, I was already I was aware of CM Punk this was the point that I went from being someone who admired his in-ring work to admiring everything about his character um, he, he did eventually lose the title to James Gibson or sort of Jamie Noble if you that might be how you know him uh, in a four corners match uh, that also included Samoa Joe and Christopher Daniels in a great match that is um, but what's tremendous about this heel run is WWE used big elements of this in a babyface run for CM Punk in 2011 this is something obviously we've talked about on Tuesday Night Joe quite a lot is I absolutely adore CM Punk's 2011 run from the pipe bomb to him winning the title to disappearing with the title I think he came back a bit too early uh, could have kept him gone for six months it would have you know paid off it tremendously but you know and that run was he was a baby face in the eyes of a lot of fans but in some fans he would have been a heel his run in Ring of Honor in 2005 he was a heel trust me um, absolutely tremendous tremendous run if you can go back and find a way to see it yeah, I think you can still uh, certainly get um, various DVDs and stuff uh, I've got DVDs with it on which pleases me but yeah do try and check that out because it's it's a great great run really really good okay that's my top two what do you think the top two are okay now number two is in fact both of my top two are stables spoiler alert so at number two is summer 2007 and my favorite my second favorite heel run of all time involves 
in the main, it, it was a stable that had more people in it eventually. But my the, the heel run that I really enjoy is three people, and in the main, one of them as the spokesperson really, um, and that's the age of the fall. Um, I'm really happy in that I've managed to tell two out of the th- two out of the four people who involved in this storyline. So the three people originally were in it. Um, and the the booker and writer that put it all together. I managed to tell two out of the four people that this is one of my favourite... It's one of my favourite storylines and angles of all time. Absolutely no 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 doubts about it whatsoever. It's certainly one of my favourite uh, heel runs for, uh, for one in particular wrestler and also for the whole faction. So I've managed to tell Jimmy Jacobs and I've managed to tell Gabe Sapolsky that I love this, love The Age of the Fall. Um... But Jimmy Jacobs in particular, this is if you're looking for a great heel run, this is someone who was always a little guy, who was always you know moderately mid card in Ring of Honor, and this made him um, for a few months at least a massive, massive star. And obviously, it also featured Necro Butcher, who I love dearly and think is fantastic, and Tyler Black, or the artist now known as Seth Rollins. Um, and it's the way that this whole run was set up was it was using technology and using that sort of stuff rather than it just being someone coming out and cutting a promo and going hey I don't like you and then going completely opposite of what he's saying in order to, to get a really big heel response they were using um, they were posting on message boards and um, uh, and websites and stuff alluding to something called Project 161 which was all to do with it being Ring of Honor's 161st show um and show coming up in Chicago and people thinking who could it be Jimmy Jacobs manages to make his return on the show but then later in the show jumps the Briscoe Brothers after a fantastic match jumps the Briscoe Brothers along with Tyler Black and Necro Butcher hang Jay Briscoe upside down he's already bleeding Jimmy Jacobs sits underneath him gets covered in his blood uh, saying the age of the fall has begun and we're off to the races and it's it's a tremendous tremendous run and it's always surprised me, really, that and, uh, Jimmy Jacobs, uh, you know, is now a writer for WWE, um, and is you know is a tremendously talented dude with a brilliant, brilliant mind. But when we did, um, I remember talking to to Jimmy Havoc before we had his heel turn in in progress, and I remember saying to him about the age of the fall and about how Jimmy Jacobs was, and, and I know it's something that 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 Jimmy was aware of and it's that that thing of taking someone who is not in the case of Jimmy Jacobs not someone who's massively physically intimidating but is insane Um, and that's what that whole storyline got across and that's what that whole run was and it led to you know the the hottest run in singles of Jimmy Jacobs career in Ring of Honor that led to a tag team title run for for Tyler Black and, uh, and for Jimmy Jacobs and it led to great things for Necro Butcher but what a run the age of the four was and and what i've chosen specifically um is from summer 2007 to the turn of the year to the beginning of 2008 <coughs> stable kept going until 2009 but i think the really great heel run is that initial six months just just tremendous so then what is my favorite heel run of all time oh i did say it was a stable so i, I think you probably got it and again, this is not something I watched live at the time. It's something I've gone back retrospectively and appreciated as someone who is not just a wrestling fan, but someone who is a writer and an executive producer and a booker. It's, it's something that you just look at and go, mm, 
And it's also probably the longest period of time that I'm going to choose out of this list in terms of a heel run. And that's the Four Horsemen between roughly 1985 and 1989. Their first four years. Um, during that time, they feuded with nearly everybody. In particular, they feuded with massive stars like Dusty Rhodes. They feuded with Sting. They feuded and then recruited Lex Luger and then feuded with him again. They feuded... Um, uh, they feuded with Nikita Karloff. They feuded with Magnum TA. All great feuds. And everyone... It's... I mentioned at the start of of the show that I bet someone could choose the ten, their 10 favourite Ric Flair heel runs of all time because he's had so many and he's been babyface and he's gone back to being heel and you could probably pick 10 periods of Ric, Ric Flair's career where you, could, where you could go oh isn't that brilliant um, for me and I love Ric Flair I think he's great but it's it's choosing the whole stable for this heel run um, and I, this is not something I, I knew until I did a bit of reading up on it um, in 1985 um, up until that point Ric Flair would often ally himself to Greg Valentine, who'd been friends with for years, but Valentine went to WWE, so Flair needed someone else to, to kind of have as allies, so he had Ole and Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. And they were doing great stuff like breaking Dusty Rhodes' bones in a deserted car park. If you've never seen that footage, you look at that and go, it's not the most glamorous car park in the world. It's not even tarmac Um <coughs> everyone in, in the Horseman feud, you know, all circling and feuding one, one person. And the reason this is such an effective hero run is stables had already been, always been a thing in wrestling, but this was the thing that really put stables on a map. This was the thing that made you realize if you get stables right, they can last for so long and be so impressive. You only have to look at the fact that in, you know, 98, 99, the Horseman was still a thing. Um, they weren't as good as this initial run, but they were still a thing. Um, I think it's very easy to just say oh it's only this incarnation of the horseman I don't think that's the case because <coughs> they survived uh, Ole Anderson leaving Lex Luger being in the horseman for a little bit and then being out of the horseman Barry Windham turning on Lex Luger and joining the horseman I think 1988 the lineup of um, Ric Flair world champion Barry Windham US champion um, and Arn and Tully tag team champions is the strongest lineup for me. I mean, if you want to tweet me at Jim Smallman what your favourite horseman lineup is, that's mine. Um, so I think that's tremendous. And it was only really Tully and Arn jumping to the WWF um, and JJ Dillon taking a, a backstage job there that really, and Wyndham kind of going there in 1989, that really, really sort of put an end to it. But you think up until that point, as heels, they ran roughshod over everybody. The way to, the way to get, um, the way to make people want to tune into a TV program or buy a ticket is to see the Horsemen getting beat. If you wanted to put someone over as a babyface, you would have them be victorious over the Horsemen. And also, the Horsemen were so powerful as a heel stable, and on such a strong run in those first sort of three to four years of being a heel stable, such a strong heel run that they they had to invent matches to, to contain them, like the War Games matches. That's how that's how absolutely badass they were. So that for me is my, my favourite heel run of all time. So consistent throughout those years. There's no weak points 
in though in those initial three or four years of uh, of the original four horsemen I, I just don't think there is I just don't think there is so they're my favorite heel runs of all time like i say it's not just my favorite heels uh, i've given you tried to give you very specific sort of time periods uh, just to make the list a bit more interesting um uh, so you know let me know yours uh, at jim smallman uh, use the hashtag choosing night job maybe write me notes on your phone and then uh tweet them to me uh after you send a screenshot that's probably the best way of doing it and uh yeah once again plug a few things everything on the distraction pieces network check it all out uh come to jimsmormon.com slash tnj point people at that to get people into the podcast but also there's a link there to come to the live podcast on saturday september the 9th at noon king's place in london for the london podcast festival uh tickets are 12 pounds 50 come along to it tell people to come to it i will have good guests it will be a laugh i promise okay now this podcast today is a fairly low-key one but you know sometimes they have to be low-key ones we've had a fairly few a fair few great interviews recently. I've just had to have a rest this week and just put out a short one. So hopefully, though, it provokes a bit of debate. So if it does, uh, let me know. Drop me a tweet. Uh, obviously, check out everything to do with Progress as well. Progresswrestling.com for tickets and merch. Demand-progress.com uh, for all of our shows. And um, also on my website, soon, fingers crossed, I have finally got a t-shirt design for Tuesday Night Show. Oh, yes. Um, it's all to do with one of the rules that I talk about quite a lot. It's not the don't be a dick one, that's a progress rule, but a Tuesday night jaw thing I talk about quite a bit. So um, it's coming. Uh, the wonderful Rob Dovavolsky, who designs all the progress merch and all the graphics and stuff, he's done some good work for me. So you'll see it soon. Trust me, I'll tweet it as soon as I can. Uh, in the meantime, thanks for listening, guys. As always, um, I will be back next week with another episode of Tuesday Night Jaw Meets, and it's a good one, trust me. All right, I'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.